Do you see what I got here? You know why I brought this? Because Reed Saunders is about to drop the hammer. Do you all hear what I'm talking about? I love Reed Saunders. He's one of my favorite speakers, and I just want to tell you, he's one of my favorite people on this planet. He speaks around the world. He speaks to the lost. He speaks and he shares the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is one of the best people I've ever met in my 30 years of ministries. So welcome right here, back to the main stage at Creation, Reed Saunders. Come on, Reed. Come on out, buddy. There you go, champ. I always wanted to be an Avenger. Woohoo! Avenger for Jesus, baby. <laughs> How we doing, Creation? We got any Jesus freaks in the house tonight? I'm so excited to be with you. Hey, pull out your phones real quick. Pull out your phones. And I want you to connect with me on Instagram or Reed Saunders for two reasons. So take out your phones and do that. Number one, I want to encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. And number two, I want to ask you to be praying for me as I travel around the world and take the gospel to the ends of the earth. I was just in Pakistan, Karachi, Pakistan, a few weeks ago. This is a country of only 1.5% believers and a country of 220 million people. And we saw God move in a powerful way as over 20,000 people put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Isn't that exciting? And so God is moving. I encourage you to connect with me. Now, people ask me as we get ready to go to Paraguay and Latvia and Vietnam this year, they say, Reed, do you always use a translator? I go, you bet. And I was in the Dominican Republic, and this pastor said, well, Reed, i got to tell you this translator story. There was a pastor from America that was speaking at this guy's church, and they couldn't find anyone to translate from English to Spanish. So the pastor got desperate, and he, he cried out to the audience. He said, hey, can anyone translate from our brother? And this one guy in the back raises his hand. I'll do it. I'll do it, he says. So he comes up, and he starts translating for our friend from America. Now, as he's going through this message, there's a dear woman in the front row that's kind of listening to him, and she can tell this guy's not making any sense. Well, finally, he gets done with his message, and this lady runs up to him, and she says, hey, you weren't saying anything that this guy was speaking. Do you even speak English? And the guy's like, well, no. He gave his message, and I gave mine. <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot of people who pretend to be something or someone that they're not, right? I mean, just because you have a surfboard doesn't make you a surfer. Just because you wear a Harley jacket doesn't make you a biker. Just because you can shoot a basketball doesn't make you Steph Curry, right? And just because you're here at Creation doesn't necessarily mean you're a follower of Jesus, Hey, going to Creation doesn't make you a Christian any more than me visiting Dunkin' Donuts makes me a cop, right? <laughs> I love police officers. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But what makes you a follower of Jesus is when you make a personal decision to turn from your sins and believe in Jesus, that he died on the cross for your sins and he rose again from the grave, that he's your Savior and he's your Lord. And tonight I want to ask you a question, Creation. Do you believe that God wants to do a work in your heart tonight? I believe he does. I believe he does. Tonight I want to tell you about the greatest love story of all time. This is between you and God. You know, I was in Zambia last year, and I hope you can see this on the screen, this picture of Victoria Falls. You heard of Victoria Falls? It's pretty amazing in Zambia. And you can see the shot I took here. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 1, it says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. Say lavished. You in the back, say Lavished. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And when I think about that word lavished, I think about Victoria Falls. 
that the water that's pouring down, I mean, thousands upon thousands of gallons going over the edge. That's an illustration about God's love for you and I. It's just pouring down on us. He loves you. He cares about you. And I want to remind you tonight that God hasn't forgotten about you. You know, the Victoria Falls in Zambia is considered one of the seven wonders of the world. But you want to know what the greatest wonder of the world is, creation? <laughs> it's John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world, right? Put your name there right now. I'm going to count to three and you shout your name. For God so loved one, two, three. That he gave his one only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I want you to know again tonight, creation, that God hasn't forgotten about you. He knows your pains. He knows your struggles. And he says to you tonight, I love you. I want to give you hope. I want to give you purpose. You see, Jesus is the only one who can give you true love, true hope. It was St. Augustine who once said this. He said, you have made us for yourself, O God. And our hearts are restless until they find the rest in you. Is your heart restless tonight? French mathematician Blaise Pascal once said this. He said, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person which cannot be filled by any created thing but only by God the creator. And he's right. But you see, sadly, so many of us, we try to fill that hole in our heart that only God can fill by turning to drugs or alcohol or relationships, longing for true love, but not finding it. Do you know that Google recently discovered, released, released the top three most searched topics late at night from about 12 a.m. to 4 a.m.? The top three were as following, porn, suicide, and loneliness. But don't look to Google, look to Jesus, right? But so many are broken and empty, you think, well, maybe if I just become famous, then I'll feel loved, then I'll have purpose. Marlon Brando, a famous actor, said shortly before his death, he says, money and wealth has brought me nothing but misery. A lot of people say, well, maybe I'll just be famous. How many of you heard of Keith Urban? Yeah, it's a good guy. He said this, he said, playing massive stadiums isn't going to fill any hole in me. You're right, Keith, it's not. Or how about Howard Stern, a radio TV personality, right? Get this. This guy recently signed a contract for $400 million. Can't get my mind around that. And he was interviewed, and they said, Mr. Stern, you must be happy. You make more money than most people. You're on the radio 24-7. You have a beautiful wife. You must be happy. And Mr. Stern's response was tragic, but it was also typical. He said, actually, no. I've never been happy a day in my life brokenness. I was speaking here at Creation a few years ago, and I'll never forget this young girl named Rachel, about 16 years old. That's not her name. I changed. It was Rachel. She made me right back here backstage afterwards. I've seen people cry before, but never like this precious girl, Rachel. She was so broken. Literally about five of her friends had to bring her up to me. She was trembling. She was shaking. She was just sobbing. And she said, Reed, I got to tell you my story. I've been in and out of foster homes my entire life. I've been rejected, abused, and abandoned by people that said that they loved me. But I've never been loved. I've never felt loved. She said, I've lost friends to suicide. And this year alone, she said, Reed, I tried to commit suicide three times. But as those tears were falling, I started to see a little bit of a smile on her face. And she said, but Reed, when I heard you talking about Jesus tonight, 
the fact that he died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the grave, and her smile got bigger. She said, Reed, tonight I gave my life to Jesus. And for the first time in my life, I finally feel loved. For the first time in my life, I finally have a reason to live. You see, Jesus changes everything. He can take you from guilty to forgiven. He can take you from lonely to loved. And he can take you from death to life. Do you know him? I want to tell you a story from the word of God. How many of you still believe the Bible is the word of God? Let's hear creation. You betcha. You betcha. I want to tell you a story from the word of God in Luke 19. It's about a man who was longing for love. His name was Zacchaeus. Now this guy was broken. He was empty. He was alone. On the outside, he looked great. He probably wore nice clothes, maybe had a nice ring on his finger, maybe a little necklace. But on the inside, he was broken, empty, and alone. And you see that Nicodemus, we read in John 3. Zacchaeus here in Luke 19, very similar. Looking for purpose, looking for love. You see, Zacchaeus had been hearing the stories about Jesus. How Jesus had taken a few loaves of bread and a few fish and fed 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Zacchaeus had been hearing the stories how Jesus had made the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. And like a magnet, Zacchaeus' heart was being drawn to Jesus. Like, there's got to be something more about this Jesus. And Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was visiting Jericho, his town. But you see, Zacchaeus had two problems, two obstacles. First one, he had a physical obstacle. Say physical. The Bible says he's a little small guy, right? And so I couldn't see as the crowds were gathering. He couldn't see over them. But secondly, more significantly, he had a social obstacle. Say social. This guy didn't have many friends, to put it that way. The Bible says he was a chief tax collector. What does that mean? Well, he would tax the people for the government of Rome, take some taxes for them, but he'd also take a little bit more for himself and kind of pocket it. And as you can imagine, this guy wasn't very liked. He's probably alone. And so when the crowds were gathering, no one's going to part the sea to let this guy come in. They'd probably beat him up or throw him out. So what does he do? You know, when your heart is desperate, you're going to take desperate action, aren't you? And the Bible says that Zacchaeus was so desperate, he climbed a sycamore fig tree. Now, when you're dressed and distinguished like a chief tax collector Zacchaeus is, you're not going to pull up your little clothes and climb up a tree. Who does that? But he was so desperate. And here's the interesting thing, my friends. We think in this passage that Zacchaeus is looking for Jesus, right? But no. All along, Jesus was looking for Zacchaeus. The Bible says when Jesus came to the tree, he looked up and he called Zacchaeus by name. And tonight, he's calling you by name. He says, I haven't forgotten about you. I care about you. I love you. Listen to what Jesus did with Zacchaeus. He looked at him and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your home today. So he came down at once and welcomed him. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's going to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to him, Lord, look, here now I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount, four times the amount. 
Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. For this too man is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. What a story, right? Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He called Zacchaeus by name. He changed him from the inside out. He so changed his life, he gives half his possessions to the poor, repays people up to four times, and then throws a party. Jesus changes everything. And just like Zacchaeus had to get out of the tree and come to Jesus, tonight you're going to have an opportunity to come to the cross and put your faith and trust in Jesus. And at the end of this message, I'm going to invite you to get out of your seats and go down to the big tent behind here to make a commitment to Jesus. Because he is calling your name tonight. He loves you. He cares about you. And three things I want to leave with you tonight about God's love. First thing that God's love is relational. Say relational. Say relational on the back. Here's the amazing thing. I've had the privilege of taking the gospel to over 100 countries. And here's the thing. All the different religions, the thing that people tell me the most when they come to Christ is they can't believe the God of the Bible is a personal God who wants a personal relationship with them. You see, out of everything that God made, he made you and I, men and women, alone in his own image. And the reason why God did that is because he wanted a friendship with you, a relationship with you. You see, God didn't make us to be robots. He made us to a relationship. There's a big difference. How many of you have kids out here? Let me see your hands. How many of you have kids? Okay, my wife and I have three of them. Now, I don't want my kids to love me because they have to. I want them to love me because they choose to, right? And love is a choice, isn't it? And so God made Adam in his image and Eve in his image. And he placed them in what's called the Garden of Eden. It was perfect. It was paradise. They didn't have to worry about inflation. They didn't have to worry about COVID. They didn't have to worry about any of these things. Why? Because sin had not entered the human race at that time. But see, God gave Adam and Eve a choice. They could choose to love him or choose to reject him. And God said, listen, you can eat anything you want in this beautiful garden, except for this one tree, which is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Bible says the devil came in the form of a serpent. And just like the devil did back then, he does the same thing today. He causes us to doubt God. The devil said to Eve, did God really tell you not to eat from that fruit? Look at that true tree. Look at that fruit. It's just so ripe and luscious. Have some. And so the Bible says that Eve took from that fruit and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that God told her not to, and she ate. And she gave some to her husband, Adam, and he ate. And at that moment in time, that's when sin entered the human race. That's when our love relationship between us and God was broken. Jesus said, I've come, you might have life and have it to the fullest. But our sins have separated us from God. The Bible says, in Romans 3.23, it says, for all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What does sin mean? Well, sin literally comes from the word harmatia, which means to miss the mark. Like if I were to put a bullseye over here on the side of the stage, every time I'd shoot, I'd miss. And God's target is perfection, it's holiness, and you and I, we've all missed his mark. In fact, the Bible says in Isaiah 59.2, it says, your sins have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he cannot hear. And that's why so many of you here tonight, you feel broken and empty because you've never given your life to Jesus. You never trust him by faith as your savior. The Bible also says in Romans 6, 23, it says the wages of sin is death. One day you're going to die and I'm going to die. 
But more significantly, the scripture says about a spiritual death. Complete separation from God. You and I have all broken his laws. The Bible says in the book of James, you break one of the ten commandments, you've broken them all. Have you lied? You've sinned. Have you lusted? You've sinned. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And like I said, that's why you feel so broken and empty. That's why there's so much brokenness in this world. Never forget a lead singer, if I were to tell you who he was, you know who I'm talking about, of one of the biggest rock bands of all time. He committed suicide. And when they found him, he had this suicide note on his shirt that simply said, I am a lonely soul. I am a lonely soul. Do you know what the pandemic, that the Wall Street Journal said that 61% of Americans are lonely. We've seen the suicide rate skyrocket. People are lonely. Many of you are lonely. You're broken. You're empty. And we think, if I just get that car or that boat or that job or that guy to like me or that girl to like me or that promotional work, then I'll find love. But none of those things will ever satisfy. I remember with this story of a young girl named was Amanda. And she was doing this video clip, and I'll never forget this clip of her. She was talking about how she's been bullied, how she was cutting how she just felt so empty and alone, and she held up this sign. And the sign simply said, I have nobody, I need somebody. I have nobody, I need somebody. And shortly after that video clip, this young girl committed suicide. And maybe that's your, your, your tear tonight. You're like, Reed, I have nobody, I need somebody. Well, creation, let me tell you who that somebody is. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the son of God. He's the savior of the world. You see, God sh showed us the greatest extent of his love when he sent his son, Jesus, who left his throne in heaven, came to earth, born through the Virgin Mary. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And then Jesus showed us the greatest extent of his love when he went to the cross. And if you're here tonight and you're like, Reed, does God really love me? Does he care about me? If you ever question God's love for you, look to the cross of Jesus Christ. On the cross, he was loving you. You see that word for love in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. That word love is not the Greek word eros, which is a sexual love, nor is it phileo, which is a friendship love. That word for love is agape love. It's an unconditional love where God says no matter who you are, no matter what sins you've committed, I love you. I care about you. I want a relationship with you. It's like when Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood for our sins. He like wrote a check with your name on it that said paid in full. And on the third day, we all cheered. Why? Because the check cleared. That's our Savior, Jesus. I love what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. It says this. It says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. This is Jesus. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You know, people were interviewed all around the world, and they were asked what they wanted most in life. And their response wasn't to be wealthy or healthy. No, the number one thing people wanted most in life, the survey found out, is people wanted peace. Now, in our world today, we don't have peace, do we? Violence threatens all of us. But the kind of peace that Jesus offers is peace on the inside, peace with God. And Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. 
And the Bible says in Romans 5.1, it says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we can have peace with God. Say peace. peace. Say peace. peace. We can have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He was buried. But three days later, say it with me. Say three days later. Jesus rose again from the grave. And tonight here at creation, Jesus Christ is alive. Do you believe that creation? Do you believe that? And one day he's coming back. He's going to make all things new. But in the meantime, he wants a relationship with each and every one of you. God's love is relational, but it's radical. Say radical. Jesus did what you and I can't do on our own. He paid the penalty on the cross for our sins. He died. He was buried. He rose again. And that shows that through his death and resurrection, Jesus defeated the devil. He defeated death. And he made it possible to deliver you and I from all of our sins. That's our Savior, Jesus. The Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. He changes everything. There's a story of a man. He was a businessman, very successful. But he was just broken. He made some bad choices. He just felt so burdened and alone. And so he was getting a counselor. He had a Christian counselor that was helping him. And so he took him to the RCA building in New York. And there, the counselor took him up to the statue of Atlas. You know what I'm talking about? The Greek mythology, the big dude, the big buff guy with the world on his back. You know what I'm talking about? And the counselor says, that's you. You're trying to carry the weight of the world on your back. And it's killing you. Then the counselor took the man across the street to a little church. And there in the foyer center of the church was a little statue of Jesus about 10 years old. And he's standing there holding the world in his hand. What's that song? He's got the what? He's got the what? He's got the whole world in his hand. And the counselor said to the man, that's what you need to do. You need to put your world in the hands of Jesus. And I ask you tonight, whose hand are you in? Who has your world? Who has your life? You know, Jesus said in John 10, 28, he says, I give them eternal life and they should never perish. No one, no one can snatch them out of my hand. When you're in the grip of Jesus, he's never going to let go. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. And Jesus changes everything. Now, let me tell you about a story about a girl named Emily. This young girl was really struggling with some heart issues. So they took her to the doctor, and the doctor was doing some exams, and what he found out was very troubling. So he called Emily in with her parents, and he said, Emily, I'm really sorry, but your heart is very sick. We're going to have to operate on it. What happened next? The doctor couldn't believe it. Little Emily jumped up. She said, that's great, doctor. That's great. Guess who you're going to meet when you open my heart? <laughs> And the doctor's like, who? And she's like, you're going to meet Jesus because he lives in my heart. Faith like a child, right? Here's little Emily knowing what really matters, that Jesus is in her heart and in her life. You may be saying to yourself, well, Reed, you don't know the sins I've committed. You're like, Reed, I don't think God could ever forgive me. Let me tell you what Isaiah 43, 25 says. God says, I and I am he who blots out your transgressions. And that word transgression means to break the law, the Ten Commandments. 
God says, I have and I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Think of it, no more. Through the cross, when Jesus died, he took all of your guilt, all of your sin, all of your shame. It was nailed to the cross. And through the resurrection, we've got the victory. All of your sins can be forgiven tonight. It's like God takes your sins and he buries it on the ocean floor and posts a no fishing sign. And our friend Louis Giglio once said this. He said, God didn't come to make a good person, a bad person good. He came to make a dead person alive, right? John 5, 24, one of my favorite verses, it says this. Jesus said, truly I tell you, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will never be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. Say death to life. Say death to life. In Jesus Christ. Jesus can take you from lonely to loved, from guilty to forgiven, from death to life. And he wants to do that in your life tonight. In a little bit, you're going to have an opportunity to begin a relationship with Jesus. Because God's love for you is relational, it's radical, and finally, it's relentless. Say relentless. Say relentless. He's never going to stop pursuing you with his love. The Bible says in Jeremiah 31.3, it says, God has loved you with an everlasting love. Have you tried to just marinate on that for a moment? He loves you with an everlasting love. Think about that. There's no beginning there's no end to God's love for you right here, right now. Do you know in our galaxy, there's billions and billions of stars, right? But do you know the book of Psalms says that God has both named and numbered every one of those billion stars, billions of stars? If God gets caught up in numbering and naming the stars, think about how much he gets caught up in loving and caring for each of you. And Jesus himself said that every hair on our head is numbered. Some of us have more than others, I get that. But... If Jesus gets caught up on numbering the hairs on our head, think about how much he loves and cares about you. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage. Maybe you're struggling at work. Maybe you're struggling at school and just trying to figure your life out. Jesus says, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. I said this often. Friends may come and go, but Jesus will never leave you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He loves you. He cares about you. He loves you so much he wants to spend forever with you. Reminds me of a story of Albert Einstein. How many of you heard of Albert Einstein? See your hands, okay? The great physicist came up with the theory of relativity equals mc squared, which means I have no clue. <laughs> no clue. Anyway, he's a very smart guy. But the story is told of how he was traveling from Princeton by train to a certain location. And he's sitting there in the conductor's going through and he's collecting tickets. He's saying, tickets please, tickets please. And he comes to Dr. Einstein and he says, Dr. Einstein, tickets please. So he checks one pocket, can't find the ticket, checks the next pocket, can't find it. He's like, I can't find my ticket. The conductor's like, oh, Dr. Einstein, I know who you are. All of us on the train know who you are. I'm sure you paid for your ticket. Don't worry about it. So the conductor continues down collecting tickets and he happens to turn back and all of a sudden he's shocked at what he sees. He turns back and he sees there's Dr. Albert Einstein, the great physicist, down on his hands and knees looking for his ticket. So the conductor guy panics. He goes running down. He says, Dr. Einstein, Dr. Einstein, I know who you are. All of us on the train know who you are. I'm sure you paid for your ticket. Dr. Einstein gets off the ground, dusts himself off, 
He says, young man, listen, I too know who I am. The problem is, I don't know where I'm going. I need my ticket. And I want to ask you, my friends, tonight when you die, do you know where you're going? Are you sure? You know, the Bible says that God is love, yes, but he's also holy, perfect, and just, and he can't be in the presence of sin. And because you and I are created in the image of God, we have a soul. And one day you're going to die and I'm going to die. And the Bible makes it clear we're going to go to one of two places, either heaven or hell. And if you die in your sins without Jesus saving you from your sins, you're separated from him in a very scary, sad, scary place called hell. But the good news is the fact that there's a heaven. Think of it. A place there will be no more sickness, no more suffering, no more disease. But you see, the Bible makes it clear. There's not a broad row. It's a narrow road to salvation. Jesus said in John 14, 6, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the Bible says in Acts 4, 12, it says, salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. You can't earn your way into heaven. You can't pay your way into heaven. The Bible says it's a gift. In fact, the word of God, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, it says, for it is by grace you've been saved. Say grace. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Though it cost God everything in sending his son Jesus to die in your place and my place for your sins and my sins on the cross. When they put nails through his hands and through his feet, a crown of thorn dripping with blood. Jesus, who the Bible says is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He made that pathway through his blood, through the cross to heaven. He's the only way. And the Bible says when you come by faith and say, God, I know that I'm a sinner. But I believe you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins and rise again from the grave. The Bible says all of your sins are forgiven. You have a relationship with God, not a religion, a relationship. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in your heart and life to help you grow in Jesus. You can be sure when you die, you go to heaven as opposed to hell. And you have the joy of knowing, walking, serving, and living for Jesus the rest of your days. And the Bible says you enter back in that relationship with God. That love relationship with God, just like Adam and Eve enjoyed. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, notice that word, anyone, that means you, 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 you. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old life is gone, the new life has come. Think of it tonight, creation. You can have a fresh start in Jesus Christ. He loves you. He sees your pain. He sees your struggles, and he tells you tonight, I have not forgotten about you. And just like he called Zacchaeus by name, he's calling you by name. He says, I love you. I want a relationship with you. I'll finish with this story about a man who was about to be released from prison. And this guy, unfortunately, had made some pretty bad decisions in his life that landed him in jail. And he had a wife and kids they left behind for Many, many months, years in, in, in jail. Well, finally, the time was about for the man to be released from prison. And so he wrote home to his wife and kids, and he said, on such and such a date, I'll be released. He says, I know how much I've hurt you and the kids by the terrible decisions I've made that landed me in jail. But if you want to welcome me home, he says, all I want you to do is just take this, a gold ribbon and just tie it on the front door. 
And if I see that gold ribbon, that means that you will welcome me back. But, he said, if I come by the house and there's no gold ribbon on the front door, that means you don't want to see me again. And I promise you, you will never see or hear from me again if there's no ribbon. Well, finally, the day came for the man to be released from prison. And as you can imagine, he was a wreck. And he gets on a bus that was going to take him to his, na- to his house. At one of the bus stops, a bunch of university students got on, and they got on the bus, and they looked in the back and said, they saw this guy, and they're like, mister, what's wrong? You look terrible. He kind of shrugged himself off, popped up out of his chair. He said, you don't understand, he said. Today's the day. Today's the day I just got released from prison, and I'm about to head home. And I told my family, if they want to see me again, to put a gold ribbon on the front door. But if there's no gold ribbon, that means I'll never see my family again. Today's the day, he said. And with that, he kind of slouched back in his chair. While all the students on the bus and everyone on the bus is like, this is crazy. I wonder what's going to happen. Well, the bus was starting to make its way toward the block of the neighborhood where the man lived. And as the bus was making its way up to the man's house, you could see on the man's house, there are gold ribbons on the front door. There are gold ribbons on the front lawn. There are gold ribbons in the trees. There are gold ribbons on the roof. In fact, the whole house was covered in gold ribbons. And when the man got off the bus, his wife and children, they rammed up and they embraced him and they said, Welcome home. Welcome home. And tonight here at Creation, the gold ribbons are up in heaven. And God wants to welcome you to his family. He wants to take away your guilt, sin, and shame. And fill your heart and life with his love, his forgiveness, his peace, his hope. But this decision for Jesus is up to you. Your friends that brought you can't make it for you. Your loved ones can't make it for you. Why? Because you're in your sins and you need Jesus alone to save you from your sins. Luke 19.10 says, The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Our Savior Jesus is in the business of finding lost people. And just like he called Zacchaeus, tonight he's calling your name. And like Zacchaeus, you're going to have to get out of the tree and come to the cross. So what I want to do right now, this is a very special moment all over this place. I want to ask everyone just to stand up. Just stand up, everyone. Everyone off your feet. Let's go. This is a very special moment between you and God. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. This is a prayer I would pray if I was giving my life to Jesus. Now, this prayer is not what saves you. It's your faith in Jesus that does. But this is a prayer I would pray if I was inviting Jesus into my life. So if God has spoken to you tonight and you want to begin a new life, a fresh chart, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John 1, 12, it says, Yet to all received him, Jesus, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Think of it, tonight you can be part of God's family. So I want to lead you in this prayer. All over this place, I invite you to pray with me. If you want a new life, a fresh start in Jesus Christ, trust him as your Lord and Savior. Pray with me. Let's pray. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. But I believe you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins and to rise again from the grave. Come to my heart and life, Lord Jesus. Forgive me of all of my sins. 
Thank you for giving your life for me on the cross, Jesus. Now by faith, I give my life to you. From this moment on, use my life for your glory, Jesus. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Now, very importantly, if you just pray with me to begin a new life in Jesus Christ, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to have you raise your hands, okay? Because if you meant it, you'll mention it. You'll mention it if you meant it. Jesus said, if you do not acknowledge me before men, I will not acknowledge you before my Father who is in heaven. So if you meant it, let's mention it. So on the count of three, if you just pray to receive Christ with me, I'm going to have you raise your hand on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Just lift up your hands. Great. Praise God. I see your hands. Keep them up. Let's celebrate. Now, all of you raising your hands, I want you to take a walk with Reed, okay? Say, take a walk with Reed. I have some friends. I want you to come over here to the big tent back here. Let's go make your way over here to the big tent. I want to pray with you, give you some information to grow in your relationship with Jesus. So just make your way over here to the big tent. Grab the person next to you and go. Then head over to the big tent. Let's go. Let's cheer those on. I know many of you raised your hands tonight. Let's go. So my friends in the blue shirt, raise your hand over here. Raise your hand in the blue shirts. So you're going to go to those shirts and come around to the big tent. You can go this side or this side. But come make your way over to the big tent. I'll see you there. Let's go. The rest of us, let's give Jesus a hand for what he did tonight, okay? He's worthy.